Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. Hello and welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Game Day podcast. Last week, brilliant with just two people, but back to its full quora this week. I'm Danny Kelly at the controls as usual, joined by an absolute, well, I would normally say a really, really brilliant crew. But given their connections to West Ham United, I suspect they might be a little bit more deflated than usual. Um, Joining us, of course, regular on the show, uh, comedian, broadcaster, um, person who runs this the station, as far as I can see, Tom Rennie. Hi, Tom. Bring back Chloe and Mark. That's what I say. I don't. It was so professional last week, this programme. Now you're here, I already feel it going off the rails. It's been 11 seconds. Yeah, and I like it off the rails. It works rather better there. Alongside him, of course, played for West Ham and many others as well. About 250 caps for uh, Northern Ireland as well. I'd like to say, returning <laughs> to bring his own particular bent on the game to us, Steve Lowe. Hi, Steve. I'm very well, Danny. It's not nice to see a smug Spurs fan. I know, it's awful, isn't it? Especially when it was like Dick Turpin had the decency to wear a mask. (laughs) Daylight robbery. (laughs) Quite apart from anything else, though, there is nothing. It's not the best thing. To to be absolutely mullered and win the game is one thing. It's not quite the best thing in football. That's the late winner away from home, isn't it? Oh, yeah. The late winner away from home, particularly when you've had none on a ball, is the the, the, most. Let me just taste that. Or the That's late, the most delicious. The late equaliser for the opposition, <laughs> but then it gets ruled out for VAR. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I know. So there's some lovely ones. Yeah, of course. And and, and the late equaliser for the opposition, which actually goes to the other side of the side netting, but you've seen it wrong. Yeah. And then you're very low. Oh, it didn't go in. Brilliant. He's a very good player. And uh, we moved him around a little bit. We needed to get more uh, him more on the ball and more runs and movement in front of him second half and uh, he showed uh, qualities that we'll will enjoy at Man United Mike Dean had a good game uh, the referee on the pitch he controlled the game when was a little bit of uh, emotions after the penalty he was there to to control it okay let's start with our villains of the week let's start with some negativity here um uh, Tom, I'll start with you because normally people putting an arm around each other, people saying, hey, mate, how are you? Chumminess is normally thought to be a good thing in these dark times in society, and yet you've got it as villain of the week, chumminess. Yeah, so on Saturday, uh, we were just about to start commentary of the Man United Wolves game, doing the game with Dave Kitts and another ginger. Lots of gingers this week. It's, it's, it's dark outside, so it's I fine to see you out. I've told you once, it is strawberry blonde. I've my got mom, right against my the gingers mom, this week. My mum said it was Moroccan sunset, so... Your mum lied to you a lot about a lot of things, <laughs> didn't she? Uh, as a matter of interest, what is wrong with ginger hair? I don't get this at all. Now, if I, when I, when I, before I went grey, I had a ginger beard. Did 
did you? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine you thing, with a beard. It? No, no. When you're as um, how can I put it, superbly upholstered as I am, <laughs> you don't grow a beard because the follicles are so far apart. It's, by definition, <laughs> it's going to be slightly wispy, isn't it? Well, anyway, I was doing the game uh, with Dave Kitson, and we're watching the video of the guys in the tunnel, and it's all the Man United players, all the Wolves players, and Bruno Fernandez turns up. Isn't it great to see Bruno Fernandez? Sure, it's great for the fans and great for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's not meant to be great for all of the Wolves players who he went and hugged, Rui Patricio, kissed, Jao Martinho, a hearty manshake uh, with Ruben Neves. He even says hello to Daniel Pedence, the new signing for Wolves, who's just been signed for Olympiacos. He played with him at Olympiacos a little while ago. And it's just that whole chumminess. And Dave turned to me and he said, this game's going to be rubbish. And I was like, what do you mean? What's it, what's it, yeah. This is going to be great, this. And he said, look, they're all pals. Everyone in there is pals. All the home players and the away players, they're in there being best friends with each other. And it's like they go out and then they have a nice rubbish public school rugby handshake. I mean, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm totally agree with you. This, but it's it's sickening enough the pre-match handshake. We are forced to shake and those hands handshakes. Your they're so just limp and afterwards. wet and lifeless. Oh, and now of course they do that kind of up here handshake, oh, don't they? You know, a um, handshake like they're going to do arm wrestling. Steve, you played football when you, there was no none of this handshake. I just, with all due respect, you, I, I just can't see how you would have enjoyed the pre-match handshake. No, I didn't. Listen, you played against friends. Listen, when we played against the likes of Leicester, Neil Lennon, Jerry Taggart. Listen, after the game, you go and have a beer and have course. a chat with him. But this year, in the pub, like, absolutely. Today, today, listen, Edison given. Stephen Bergwijn uh, a calf stretch that just wouldn't help him. and I think listen you want I, I, was, I was for exactly you want to kick it kick the <laughs> other one but what I was fortunate enough to do is play in the 90s which apart from the money I think it was the best year the best era because at the end of the day you look at the likes of Roy Keane and Patrick Vera in the tunnel the animosity the drama yeah. if you're a fan that's what you want to see don't you Vinnie you Jones see banging no ma- on the walls no ma- they're scared no matter what when you get on that pitch it's, it's, it's a matter of winning for your team and then listen you can go and have a man cuddle and a beer if you want after the game but I, I'm with it it does no, my nothing that is pathetic it was there's pathetic. no passion there's yeah. no passion to it you want to hate the opposition you want to have the vitriol towards them and instead it's all like oh it's lovely to see you shall we go shopping after this shall we take the wives out for a nice brunch tomorrow. <laughs> no, gouge his eyes out. I tell you what, we're going to start seeing, aren't we? As well, I bet you they start covering their mouths in the tunnel oh, before the game yeah. now. Um, because in case you say, when they are literally saying, Are you going over uh, Whitewater later on? Yeah. Um, I'll see you over there. We'll, yeah. we'll have a Nando's. And it's it's the natural building on. We spoke a few weeks ago about everyone calling Alexander Arnold Trent, our mate Trent. And it's like, no, and uh, what's the post match interviews for Tottenham? The interviewer is calling Hung Min Son Sonny. Yeah. He's called him Sonny like he's his pal. It's the matification, the chumification of football. It sickens me. It's meant to be a war. It's meant to be a battle. And that's why you get rubbish games like Man United Wolves, because everyone's a pal. A little later in the show, you'll find out quite why these two are, are so upset about everything <laughs> in football. I'll just say that. Now, listen, you're talking there about about hatred. I mean, we, we don't want actual hatred in the game. And so my villain of the week are those people, and they were legion, Manchester United fans, on social media saying that the attack on Ed Woodward's house was some kind of PR stunt. I mean, what? look, we all know what happened. Um, some people turned up there in masks. They daubed uh, graffiti on the on the front of the house and fired, let's not say rockets, fireworks. It was flares, wasn't it? Flares. Just sort Something, of like um, yeah. but, but, what but, you fire at sea. You don't want, you don't want, in my opinion, people turning up at people's private addresses um, to do that sort of thing. I have some personal experience of this, actually. Um, many, many years ago, many, many years ago, 
Um, I said something about a, a Premier League football club, and my house came under attack. So I found out where I live by a group of people who threw batteries, large batteries, large bolts and stuff through the windows. Um, and I'm not joking; that did happen. It's because I've ever told it. I've never done this on air either, mm. but it brought it back to me, and I no longer lived there. Um, it's spoiled well, by living it, there for many, many what's years. What's happened? Are you upset? The battery's not working? No. I, I, you, Steve, I'm telling you now, you wouldn't have liked it if it happened listen, to you. No, anyway, anyway, the point I'm making... The point this I'm making, is a West Ham man who was Millwall manager, so he knows about as hatred. We know, as we know, Neil Ashton, um, once of these very uh, yeah. studios, um, one of our leading journalists, has recently become, in fact, it's very weak, become Manchester United's PR. So a PR company, Manchester United's first client. There are and easier there are jobs. Saying, there are people saying that he has set up a bunch of nurks to go round to his house in masks, and our producer, who otherwise gives off the vibe being a semi-intelligent, semi-sentient um, humanoid, actually believes some of this to be true. I can't imagine in his wildest dreams that Neil would think that was a good idea. And where also, let me ask you, Mr. Producer, rhetorically, where do you get people? Where is it the agency? Can I uh, book a dozen blokes, please, dress up in masks and go round to Edward Wood's house and cause trouble? If you walk down the right street in Sin City, you can find anything. Struggling right? Oh, struggling actors, is it now? <laughs> um, my, Classical my... musicians, they don't earn much. <laughs> Cello in the evening, firebombs in the day. You're not going to risk those delicate hands with That's fireworks true, and stuff, though, are you? I mean, seriously, though, uh, it, it, we all saw this on, on Twitter and Facebook. It reminds me a lot of the brilliant, it was a radio series, then TV series, with John Bird and Stephen Fry called Absolute Power from mm -hmm. about 20 years ago. And they were unscrupulous PR men. And they would come up with these incredible, bizarre schemes to make their client look better. And I would say, if this is an absolute power Stephen Fry kind of thing, I would say that Neil Ashton needs a new job because it made nobody feel sympathy, unfortunately, for Ed Woodward, except on the human level. Let's have it right. You know, football, we're all incredibly, in your case, upset about it. Most people passionate about it. It can't spill over into people's no. front gardens. I'm just no, not having no, that. No, listen, it, it ste steps across the line, 100%. And, and listen, it doesn't show Man United in good light, does it really, in terms of the fans? And if the, it was real, these people are dreadful, dreadful people. Um, if it wasn't real, then sack the PR. We all know, that, the, and you should know better than me, the correct mode of protest against any club yeah. is for one of you to get onto the pitch and approach Mark Noble. That's how it's done correctly, <laughs> isn't it? And Mark Noble... You, when you he... do not invade people's private property, you don't cause any violence, but you run onto the pitch, it's always poor old Mark who gets confronted, isn't it? When Mark Noble retires, and if you watched him in the last few weeks, it was a few weeks ago, um, he's... A, you got haven't a, got better. He's going to have a fantastic line in security, home security, because every time a protester does come on, he does take them off, and that will happen in the next home game against Southampton, Plus he guaranteed. makes a note of their, of their grievances, and then he takes them off, he leads them off very gently. What a great shop steward. Um, this is this is a very interesting start to the show this morning of the week because we've had enmity and chumminess. Now you want to make an enemy of someone who's actually a friend. Well, not him in particular, but he's he's what he's one of four or five. This is, Ke this is Kevin. This friend. is Kevin Friend today. He's not an actual friend of yours, is he, Kevin Friend? No, and listen, I've yeah. got no grievance against Kevin. I'm sure he, he's a very nice bloke. Are you sure? Away from the football, we could share a pint, not a problem. But for me, I hate VAR anyway. I wish you'd just scrap it. But what gets me really irked is these referees that then have the opportunity to watch it and still getting the decision wrong. It's absolutely madness. What was the thing that was really bothering you about Kevin? Well, Raheem Sterling, for one. Yeah. Should have been a sending off. The Liverpool game was Danny Ings 
blatant penalty. You watch this, how you cannot... That's the one that really not, broke my heart. And not, even worse than that there was the Firmino one where he's about to head it in and the defender's on his back having a piggyback. <laughs> I'm like thinking, come on. As somebody, as somebody who wanted VAR to come in, I could just about stomach the Sterling one because I thought they had a chance to see this mm. in the cold light of day, in slow motion. They don't think it's quite a red card. Now, you might not agree with that, but at least there's there's been... A, a, I, listen, I, I could make a point for that because he's going to play through the ball and his momentum takes it through. And when everything's slow, you, you, can, you, can, you can make a, a sort of listen... Listen, for me, it was reckless and he should have been sent off. But the Ings penalty, there's no excuse for it. It's just a wrong decision. Firmino, West Ham yesterday, Lucas Fabianski, Glenn Murray holding them by the arm. We can go on. The handball, that was definitely handball, but I've moved on emotionally from that. (laughs) So it's fine. So I just don't understand it. Listen, I always said, for me, VAR is always going to be about opinion because... It's one the penalty incident today where Sterling where he gets nearly another penalty from the rebound. Alex Crook thinks it's a penalty. I don't think it is. Do you so. know how you solved this though? I'll tell you how you solved this, and this has been my issue all season long. We all talk about oh consistency. You know, you always get people in the pub. You just want consistency, don't no, you? you? Don't. Uh, no, you don't. You want things to go for your team, but that's fine. And you want the right decision. But yeah. here is how you get consistency with opinion when it comes to VARs. You don't all have Mike Dean one week in Stockley Park, then other weeks, you know, out on the field. You have one super lord of VAR. Like they do in American and football. And he sits in one chair in the middle of the room in Stockley a Park, a throne. Yeah. And he just gets videos brought to him, like serves bringing yeah. drinks or a Jessica coming out with a gag. I massive lazy what? boy that vibrates gently underneath What him. I would say as well is if it, if it isn't Raheem Sterling, you know, and it's... Lemma at Bournemouth, is it a sending off? It probably is. So there's still, well, uh, there's still uh, for me, uh, unintentional bias. And in my to opinion. show that I'm not biased, if you were an Arsenal fan, you'd be saying, hang on, well, how does that differ from what happened to Aubameyang? You know, they, it's the same challenge. It's the same challenge. It's, it's identical. And they're right to be annoyed about it. So, I mean, a great start to the show. Thank you both very much after last week's fiasco. And a great start to the show. <laughs> a very conceptual start to the show. Three, the three villains of the week. Tom has chose chumminess. I've chosen people who think that the Ed Woodward attack was, in fact, a PR stunt. And Steve has chose Kevin Friend and his colleagues. Have you um, got something against Kevin Friend? You keep highlighting him. You yeah, because I wrote him down. When you were going to be talking about earlier, I wrote his name down. I also like the word the fact that he's friend in Villain of the Week. Um, well, he's certainly Raheem Sterling's friend. Which, which, of these is the, which of these is the most villainous, Steve? Oh, it's a difficult one. I just hate VAR, so for me... <laughs> You're going to stick with that, I'm going to stick with that there. I, had to, I mean, I had to do three hours of commentary on uh, and the whole show on Man U Wolves, and I was so angry after the West Ham result already, having to watch all those chums kicking the ball around like it was park football in the middle of the summer. I can't lose my vitriol for it, I'm afraid. I can't move for my vote this week. Well, and for, I mean, and given that the the, uh, the Ed Woodward thing is so extraordinary, and as has been pointed out by the unicorn-owning and believing-in producer, no one's been arrested yet, I'm happy to step down here. and I, I'm, I, Because of the, it, it matches up with the pre-match handshake, which I find the Ugh. most sickening thing in the history of football... Oh, yeah. um, Natural disasters notwithstanding, watching grown men before they're about to play a game of football. I'll go with Chumminess. Chumminess is villain of the week. I don't know. I, like, I just like scoring goals. Never mind uh, against West Ham. No, seriously, today, though, you put the ball in it and then you had to wait two or three minutes of VAR to tell you you got it. What was going through your mind? Felt like an eternity. I think you can tell from. Um, from the celebration, there was no doubt in my mind that uh, there was. I handled the ball. They've gone for a striker that's at a club that's 
are struggling towards the bottom and a player that hasn't scored many goals and it isn't in great form. That seems to be the sort of pool that Manchester United are fishing in at the moment. They've gone for a gala. And we need to move on to something more positive, our heroes of the week. And Steve, you want to start with somebody who, I mean, just his, his ongoing career is a matter of extraordinary delight, really, because if if at um, any time in the past 15 years you say, that Glenn Murray's going to have a great career, you'd go, hang on, what's he actually doing? All the rest of it, but he's amazing. Well, I just think you look at how he's come up. He's come up the hard way. He didn't have it easy. He didn't go through academy. He had spells out in America, spells in the conference. He kept grinding and grinding. And he's a shining example that academies, yes, we need them, but it's not the be and end all. There's a different way to get through. And I think his longevity finally made the Premier League, got a cruciate ligament injury, then fought back again got back into the Premier League there's been signs of Brighton trying to get rid of him again why would you want to get rid of him you know even if you're going to use him sparingly surely you keep a man like that around you changing him and he was fantastic yesterday did you enjoy uh, Glenn Murray's equalising goal you were at London Stadium weren't you for uh, for the match I was at the game but I was enjoying a nice lager top by the time he <laughs> stroked that one in but so you uh, left the ground and you met people outside and you thought West Ham were 1-3-1 oh well I was I thought listen the amount of luck that we had had, the two deflected goals, I thought, listen, everything's fallen in the lap. Brighton should have been 2 a up. I thought, listen, what a result that is. We probably doesn't doesn't deserve it, but, you know, we've got it. And I, I walked into the pub and there it was. Which pub, interest, which pub was it? It was a little uh, Pelly House Sports and Social Club. You'd like how it, Danny. Far, how far is it from the London Stadium? 15 minutes. And for leaving Walking, the game yeah. early, you no, are now villain no. of the week. Are we? Well, oh, 15-minute drive, because my, my only problem with the West Ham thing now if you don't stay in the stadium and who wants to pay football club prices well, for the beer yeah. is it, it's a hell of a walk now in any direction the old grinding green street the good thing is, is is i've been there a few times now so i do know a few back ways and back walks to get towards you know the black ball the old king's <laughs> head the to, carpenter's arms otherwise the you have to walk past the copper box which oh. would, which would be a brilliant name for a pub mm. but is in fact a, a, a where, the, where the youtubers stadium. fight where the youtubers yeah. do their boxing and you're know, in the stop start thing for about 25 minutes if you want to find a pub in east london and west ham a 3-1 down in a game give us a call I'll get you to the pub in five <laughs> minutes um, listen just to say that uh, Glenn Murray uh, I've got one one thing to tell you about him that he's now scored for the same club in three different decades yeah. but you've got even more astonishing things I've got some great stuff on Glenn Murray this week not only has he not given up on his career or his hair um, he scored <laughs> seven goals in ten games against West Ham um, and Brighton uh, West Ham have never beaten Brighton in the Premier League and watch David Moyes you know you have to do loads of post-match after the game right I can't say this on the show annoyingly we might get it beeped out um, so David Moyes after the game he basically I'm not allowed okay uh, he basically said um, I don't think we've ever I'm doing David Moyes yeah. now I don't think we've ever we've ever beaten Brighton in the Premier League have we and someone said no and he was like beep and just walked off <laughs> Which we, we, it's incredible, but um, Brighton have scored 20% of their away goals in the Premier League, oh. cumulative in three seasons and a bit, at London Stadium. And Glenn Murray has got 26% um, of percent of all of Brighton's goals in, the, in their entire Premier League history. Incredible. It's an incredible fact, isn't it? Um, so he's very much a hero. Um I'm going to go for a, a hero from uh, the unusual world, for me, to choose someone from the world of agency. Who? Um, and the, uh, the hero here is Odion Igalo's agent. A, A, for still having his phone on that late in the transfer window. <laughs> but for B, for picking the phone up and going, hello, uh, it's agent here. Um, and uh, they go, oh, it's Manchester United, yeah. 
for him not for him not to put the phone down and believe it was a crank call <laughs> or a radio station, but to honestly take the caller somewhere in China and go, what? Yeah, Manchester United. You want Odeon to play? What have we got? Six hours for the other, and he's going to be playing Old Trafford. Is that right? Okay. Thank you, Ollie. I mean, I just put the phone down. But he said no. He was brave. He said no. It's real, and we're going to play for Manchester United. Steve Lomas. As a former Manchester City player, what do you make of some of the players that Manchester United have been linked with in the past uh, week? It just goes to show you how far Man United have fallen. And you look at the difference between Liverpool and Man United, the, the planning in player recruitment is like night and day. You look, Liverpool took a lot of stick for having their board. It's proved to be the right way to do it. They do the due diligence well. But what what is ironic for me is... Obviously, Olegon Oshoskar gets rid of Lukaku because he don't, they can't play with a big man up front. What a joke that is. He's obviously went to enter and he's on fine form. They obviously need somebody, so they go back to another. We need a bit of power. Hold on a wee minute. You had the best powerful centre-forward possibly in the world. Why did you get rid of him? Absolute farcical. I've got two things on this, I've got to tell you. Yeah. Number one is that Odi Nogano spent three years in China. He's not the top scorer in the Chinese Super League, despite the fact he's at least a foot taller than every other player in China. I think the, the, the leading goal scorer is an Israeli chap I've never heard of, who Spurs sniffed about for oh, as well really? in the last few is hours he, of the window. Is he the same as Jay Bothwood? He's a foot taller than he, everyone else, no, so they just he, take corners. He's about 31 years of age, and he scores in every game for whichever Chinese team he's currently playing for. And then, <laughs> You know, and again, Spurs who have had five years to find someone to back up to Harry. Look at him; he's getting a few goals in China. Get on the phone to him. But his agent didn't believe it and put the phone back down. Uh, that can't be a real phone call. No, that's not Levy. Leave it. Uh, and the other thing, I've got to tell you this: I was just finishing my serious show, five o'clock UK time on Friday. We're doing Transfer Brilliant Window, show. right? It's a fantastic show. You should definitely listen to it. Sirius XMFC every Friday nine till twelve. Don't miss it. Um, but basically, we've done this all this stuff about Josh King, stupid transfers, you know, the usual stuff you do yeah. on Transfer Deadline Day. And I got a call from the producer an hour later on my way home, and he was like, "You seen who it is, didn't you?" And I was like, "What?" You, you see who it's going to be? Who is it? And he was like, it's Odi and Agarlo. And you know when you can't remember who Agarlo played exactly. for? I, no, I, I just remember couldn't him. remember. And I was like, Odi and Agarlo. And I said, what, from the past? Because <laughs> I couldn't remember who he played for. I'm like, what do you mean what, Odi what and Agarlo? Do, what colours do the past I just, play in? I just couldn't remember. Sepia, in the all sepia kit. I assumed he'd retired. I assumed he was finished. Like They've actually signed him for Man United. And not only that, you can't fly into this country from China right now. So when's he going to play? Because that my whole move, everybody, is through the looking class. It forces people like me. I'm live on, on a national radio station 24 hours later. Great saying, show, great say, show. Saying... I'm, I'm saying, you see, maybe, and I was trying to make some sense, maybe they think it's like Henrik Larsson, and they get four of... And then I thought, hang on, you just mentioned Henrik Larsson, and the idiot, idiot Agarlo in the same sentence. Mind you, there's one thing I did remember about Agarlo after a YouTube search, was the one bit of skill that he used to do on James Collins every time they played West Ham, and it's his little bit of skill called the Agarlo scoop. Do you remember this? When he used to put his foot under the ball, and he scooped the ball from right to left, and it left James Collins on his backside every... Another ginger. I don't know what it is today. I'm obsessed with them. And West Ham yeah, players. You said chumminess. You used to talking about your shows. Too chummy. You, exactly. Yeah. Too chummy. What's on your show, one, Steve? Exactly. Tell us. Show. Sure. It's called a train home. That's what it is. <laughs> Very good train. Very good train indeed. So so far, our heroes of the week are Glenn Murray um, and of course Odin Igalo's agent for having the. the 
brass nerve to continue the conversation when someone said, hi, it's Manchester United. Um, yours is an inanimate object. Yes, I do have another concept for you. Uh, and it's a bit of a long walk for this one. But trust me, there is water in the well when we get there. So do stick with me, right? Uh, I, I will. It's the listeners I worry but for. But we can cut all this out if it's useless. It comes right. from La Liga 2, as well as the Bundesliga, which then leads to the Premier League. Right. So... In the Fuenlabrada game, which I'm sure we were all watching, against Girona, midfielder Cristobal, who plays for Fuenlabrada, he gets sent off for a high boot challenge. Studs in the air, threw on the player, who is Stuani, used to play for Middlesbrough a few years ago. Um, He gets sent off, he walks off, he goes down the tunnel, he's in the dressing room, he's taking his shin pads off, taking his boots off, but they have VAR in La Liga 2. And so the referee sensibly goes over to the sideline and watches the video, and he decides... Actually, do you know what? After a couple of minutes of looking at this over and over again, it's not a red card, it's a yellow. John, go get him, John. Juan, 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 Juan. Go get him from the dressing room. And so he comes back out again, he's tucking his shin pads back in, he's running back out again. But then he sees Stuani, and he's like, Stuani's got me sent off here, that devious little so-and-so. So he goes straight up to Stuani, and what do footballers do when they get the ump these days? They don't nat him like they used to in the good old days, swing at him like Bremner. No, he goes up to him right in the face and does that weird head-to-head making love with their noses thing. Yeah. And so because he's done <laughs> like that... Like rutting stags. The Eskimo kiss. The full-on Eskimo kiss. And because of that, because of that, the referee's seen it. He's already been yellow-carded, so the yellow card from the... The red has been, has been downgraded to a yellow... But now he's gone head-to-head with Stuani when he's just come back on again. It gives him the second yellow. And so he gets sent off after the red card is rescinded before the game has even restarted. So double yellow card is your double thing. Double yellow cards. I have to say, of course, nearly every one of these, Steve, uh, and I don't know how many times you've got a second yellow card in your career. Maybe you'll tell me none. I don't know. Um, see, no. <laughs> one, of the, one of the important straight things, reds. Straight reds. One of the important things about this is, is how stupid you are, isn't it? To get this first one, anything could happen. It could happen to you. I mean, look at Zinchenko today. This is uh, why it's relevant. Look at Zinchenko today. He's already got a yellow card, albeit I think it was a random yellow card. The referee decided to book Alderweireld and Zinchenko yeah. after the 18 player tussle. Yeah, who knows what he did? Yeah, could be anything. Could be anything. But then I know. I know he's incapable of not doing the Manchester City tactical foul but how thick do you have to be to get yourself sent off in that circumstance well listen it was just for, for me it was he's got Harry Winks and it just shows you it's just brain dead brain dead <laughs> it's not Mark Obermars is it let's in, be honest inexperience he's out the left he's 55 yards from goal just stand up and stay with him you know but the other thing I would say is could Pep really have made the change Cancelo on, on the bench make the change at half time but those City players are drilled, aren't they? Every single day, yeah. if they're running through Fallon, they're running through Fallon. And you know what? Again, back to the Man United game. In that first half, there was about five, six, seven of them that weren't getting yellow carded. It took to the 50th minute for the ref, Paul Tierney, to give his first yellow card. If you actually started booking people for tactical fouls, there would be more double yellows, which is a glorious thing. And it's one of the very few times that you see... Um, Pep Guardiola curl up like a salted snail, isn't it, in press conferences? Um, because he knows it's one of their secrets, right? Yeah. And whenever anyone mentions the tactical fouling, his protestations of innocence are so overwhelming, mm. so head boiling that you say, ah, that's it then, is it? We, he can't be that defensive about it because it's true. It's, it's like a man who's true. just been texted by his mistress and the wife has read it, and you have to say, no, it's the receptionist, <laughs> and she wants to go for a quiche. <laughs> are you talking from experience? Uh, I haven't got a receptionist. <laughs> no, and he's only recently married. And he doesn't as well. like yeah. lovely and he, pictures and he doesn't from like reception case. on your various social media feeds. Very uh, yes, nice. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. So hero of the week. Then. I hope she's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think you're on a, you're on a good <laughs> yeah. wicket there, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hero of the week then. 
Steve has gone for Glenn Murray. I've gone for Odian Igalo's patient and trusting agent. Um, and Tom has gone for the double yellow card. Um, I'll start with you this time, Tom. I've got to go with Igalo. I can't believe it happened. Well, I mean, this, well, it's almost pointless asking you then, Steve, because I think I'm going to stick with Igalo as well, his yeah. agent. I'll go with that there. I've got to say, he must, he must have thought he was in dreamland. What? When he, I loved it when he phoned the player and said, listen, I've got Man United. He went, you what? Can, but, but can Woodward? Edward? But there's another phone. part of this, isn't there? There's another part of this. That conversation is two-thirds of the way through. The other phone starts going... Brr, brr. It's Mourinho, because they tried to hijack it, didn't they? It's another... F- he, he, he must have thought he was on television. Listen, yeah. thank you very much for that. He, though, is our Hero of the Week. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Glenn Murray scored again against West Ham. Brighton have come from 3-1 down. And West Ham, who 10 minutes ago, Matt, looked absolutely home and hosed at 3-1. have now somehow got to try and win this game all over again. We're not in a great position, but I know that I was that when I came in. We have to win games and uh, we hope that we're one of the teams that go on a run in the coming games. We've also got win all games at different parts, but we've also got some tough games as well. Now, this is a part of the show that I'm really looking forward to, everybody, um, because it's the worst performance of the week. Steve Lomas, as you know, um, was a stalwart midfielder for West Ham United. Um, Tom Rennie is a, well, uh, he's a big West Ham United fan and goes to the ground, despite the various tortures that involves, as often as he can. Um, I thought at one stage that this West Ham United performance, they got a point, don't forget, um, against Brighton, was going to dominate the entire show. But I think, Tom, it's fair to say that normally we, we, we improvise uh, yeah. uh, this, this, this whole show, but you have prepared have. a statement because you said to me <laughs> what you didn't want was to be hit by a bus, God forbid, on your way to the, to the studio and for this not to be made. So you sent it to me in advance and said, you read this out if I don't make it. You have made it. Your worst performance of the week is West Ham United against Brighton. It's West Ham United, but also David winning is what I do. Moyes, who has now got a worse record in his seven games in charge than Manuel Pellegrini had in his last seven games in charge. Um, there's a reason after 18 months of unemployment, absolutely nobody phoned David Moyes, apart from talk sport occasionally to make some sense of Alan Brazil every now and then. Apart from that, nobody called him the occasional trip to Dubai, notwithstanding. 
cruising in a must-win game. Absolutely crucial, to the point that I think West Ham got relegated this Saturday just gone. And he takes off Mikel Antonio. Now, no one will see that. I've heard, I heard Matt Holland on the full-time phone-in saying, I understand why he took him off. The next game for West Ham is Man City away. There's a week off for the break. Then it's Liverpool away. So Mikel Antonio is not needed now for a month. You're telling me he couldn't play for 10 more minutes before having a month off of but football? But it's not, ha- no. not the fact he took him off. It's who he replaced him with, surely. He replaced him with Arthur Masuaku, the most incompetent footballer in the history of footballers. Wonderful on the beach, but no tactical awareness. The second goal is so bad that he passes the ball into the middle of the field to nobody. It hits a Brighton player. It then bounces twice in between the two central defenders before one of the central defenders dives in, heads it too short to the goalkeeper before the Brighton player nicks it before why, the goalkeeper gets is, there. I, I don't want to stop your rant in full flow, but why is it that of all football positions, if you have a terrible le- left back, for some reason, it looks worse than any... I, I, you may not remember... It looks you wrong. I remember a man that's playing at Spurs for a few games called Timothy Atuba. Does anybody remember yes. Timothy Atuba? Do you? Yeah. It was like watching a phone box that had pulled on a Spurs shirt on the pitch, right? And I've got, and I've got nothing against Timothy as a bloke. I'm sure he's a tremendous man. He's gone to have a very happy life. I watched what, Eric Edmund, etc. Everybody... Every club has got a left back that doesn't look like a real footballer. Yeah, and you don't think that Arthur is one of those. But I've got to mention this as well, right? Because he basically went five at the back, four in midfield, one up front, no out ball. West Ham's three best players in the day are the three substitutions he makes. And after the game, he has the absolute audacity and cheek to say we looked a bit tired after Liverpool in midweek. Well, he didn't rest anyone against Liverpool in midweek, which is inexplicable. And he runs yeah. poor Mark Noble, nearly 33, and Declan Rice into the ground against Liverpool on Wednesday... And those two guys play another 96 minutes against Brighton, whereas he takes off Snodgrass, Suchek, who's not played a game for two months, and Antonio is the only player who can actually run. You watch Bournemouth. I know Steve's going to talk Bournemouth later. They made no changes winning against Villa. Why not? Because Eddie Howe looked around to his bench, saw Dominic Solanke and thought, you know what, that's garbage. I'm not bringing that on. This team will see us through. David, winning is what I do. Moyes thought, let's bring on Arthur Masuaku, and they went on to but draw when they should have lost. Hold on, hold on. You, you're really getting stuck into David Moyes here. Yeah, there's, yes. there's, 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 but, there's but a theme on. here about West Ginger's, Ham, isn't it? West Ham United were absolute rubbish before David Moyes got yeah. there. No, but it's not. It's, it's not one or the other. This, this, this is this is this is a <laughs> long. All of it. This is a longer term problem. We've been left with these players by again. Dare I say it? It's the biggest thing in Premier League. Not that you know whether he's a good manager. Have we got good recruitment? And the answer is no. The Sullivan Scattergun bringing Jared Bowen in on the thirty first of the month. And I'll tell you what as well, if they really wanted him, Jared Bowen for the last 10 minutes for Antonio would have been a fantastic substitution. But they didn't sign him in time to do it because they were negotiating right. his release clause for the relegation. I'm looking at you two square in the eye now, West Ham United fans. At the start of this season, I have been made a mug of by West Ham United. Because at the start of this season, you are in the club, I said, then. I looked at the 25 players, I said, that looks to me the best West Ham squad of players since the last lot that got, re- since the lot that got relegated with Cole, mm. Canute, etc. And Lomas. Uh, yeah, and uh, yep. I, um, and I, tell me that you, you weren't optimistic at the start of the season. No, I was a little bit apprehensive in terms of because on on the last day before the, the window shut, we get rid of Hernandez, you know, and we go with one striker when Antonio has been injured. And to be fair, I can understand why David has taken Antonio off because he's had problems with his hamstrings, and in the last fifteen minutes, fatigue causes a big problem. And he's obviously looking; he's going to be key for us to stay in the league. So he's looking at the bigger picture, and sometimes you've got to do that. 
But we had a month to the next game. You can't get 10 yeah, more minutes check, out of somebody. But, but Answer my question, Tom. Were you, were you optimistic when, yeah, they, when they were squad Absolutely. days ago? I thought so. This squad I, I thought med I thought yeah. med there's, there's issues with it, obviously. There's yeah. a lack of pace that you saw at the start of the season. We spoke about it at the very start of the season. But I saw no scenario where this squad would be anywhere near relegation. But also, I said the same thing in the year Lomas took us down. <laughs> But I have a theory about this now, and that is that uh, you know, I mean, increasingly, as each year goes by and the Premier League becomes more the Premier League, um, everybody's in a relegation scrap from about eighth, da- yeah. eighth downwards, aren't they? They they genuinely are. Norwich have probably gone, but I, honestly, right now, and I know you're, you're you're pessimistic about it, but literally anybody from. Newcastle down could go well, down. Well, I mean, how on earth are Newcastle not in it? Another game this weekend, that Norwich game. Do you see the picture of the two fans that fell asleep in the stands and everyone left and nobody woke M- them up? Many chances That's did, how bad many they Many chances did Norwich miss as well. Oh, it's almost like Pookie's not good enough. He nearly signed for Man United, though. <laughs> now, have you have you reached the end of your prepared statement? Do you know, I do have more, but I think I've covered it. I, d- I don't want to get into more of it, um, but um, in summation, this wins. And you think you think they're, they're down, do you? I think I, I look. I went to the the Liverpool game in midweek, and I was you know sitting there because it was so over, and I was sitting there going through how many points we would need. I thought forty four was a realistic number, and that was and, and that was the most optimistic number I could think of, but also realistically get, and that would have been seven wins from what was left. I included Brighton in that. So now it's a max of six wins that will get us to forty one from this point. Forty one, I think, is the line. Right now, uh, if we finish this by, I want to, I'm going to ask you these in turn. Um, these are the next six fixtures uh, for West Ham United. I'll ask you first, Steve. Will West Ham? What result will West Ham get at Manchester City? Nothing. Uh, Tom, what will they get at Liverpool? Nothing. At home to Southampton. Well, it's not even a six-pointer; it's a nine-pointer. Listen, we just got to win. It's as simple as that there. If we don't win that there, I think... It's a long way of saying nothing, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Away to Arsenal. One. They'll win that. Arsenal rubbish. Um, Away... uh, No, home to Wolves. Draw. (laughs) Home to Tottenham. (laughs) Another win! (laughs) We're staying up, Mum! Chelsea... Look at these fixtures, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Horrendous. They are horrendous. But listen, the damage is done before. Listen, it's very easy. The damage is done before David came in. You know, yeah, but he's improved nothing. You don't at play all Leicester in two months. There's the relief. Yeah, you don't he's play the same, Leicester. He's got the same bunch of players. Well, he's, well, he's, he's, he's brought, brought in Suchek, who's a good player. Who improved it. Yeah, good player. We thought we were going to give the whole 15 minutes of worst performance of the week over to West Ham because Tom was so... Uh, and consumed, engulfed by it. It's but fair as to with say. most things, I think we've heard enough of me. So yeah, let's some move people, on. some people said, "Danny, will you do Spurs' worst performance of the week?" No, you can't do that. They were absolutely mullered by Manchester City, but they got the point. So you have to let them off the off there. And the players, of course, will think they were great. As long as the manager doesn't think they were great, that'll be fine. But Steve Lomas insisted, "No, it cannot just be West Ham. There is one other. In this case, a person, a player." Whose performances mean that we have to get him onto the show? I'm just, I'm just shocked, but I just don't understand. I remember watching him when he was at Aston Villa and thinking, Who? "Listen, Christian Benteke." Oh. I thought he was a new Didier Drogba, and I thought, "Listen, this what a player he was. One and two, eighty-nine appearances, forty-five goals." I thought, "Listen, this is what a player Liverpool have signed." Struggle at Liverpool. I thought mm, maybe this, the way Liverpool played it didn't suit him. He goes to Crystal Palace, and his goal return now. He's still only twenty-nine. He's cost nearly <laughs> seventy million, mm. and he's now one in seven. And you're usually even surprised it was it was as good as that. Uh, yeah, I was rather surprised. It can't be one in seven in the in the last 
season and a half or so. He must have scored 20 goals in the first 30 games. Oh, he's or on something fire. Like that. He's yeah, on it must fire. have been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just looking and I'm thinking, what has went wrong? Did you see him when he went through on goal? Oh, it was it was before Sheffield United scored, I believe, and he's on the edge of the area, cuts it onto his left foot, and you know when you know those horrible, pathetic little pea rollers that bobble through to the goalkeeper, almost like a six-year-old having a shot against an adult, and what? And nobody thought he was going to score. Least of all, Christian Benteke. Mm-hmm. It's actually sad watching him. Swirling. Yeah, and listen, I don't think Palace the way they play suit him. He needs crosses in the box to to be effective. But, but Steve, a bit like Elmer Hesky when he wasn't scoring, he was still contributing. You can still contribute doing other things, and he just he's just not robust enough. And I think look, you're six look foot, at all you're the, six foot three. The power that man has, one hundred percent. You you've been a coach and a manager, and I know the modern thing is to talk to people and put your arm around yeah. them. Could it be that what Christian Benteke requires is what my dad used to call a leather injection? Kick up the jacks. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Listen, I'm sure Roy's probably thought of everything, tried everything, but I just want him to, to, to have a little bit of something from himself. He's a shadow of the player he was. And it's don't just, forget he got in the Belgium World Cup squad. Oh, well, you know what? Listen, I'd love to take him out for a beer and have a chat and say, listen, yeah. he can't be training him properly. Because he doesn't move around the pits like he's any intensity. He can't be as bad as he looks. He as can't well. be. Yeah. He just no. can't be. Do you know just... what he looks like to me? He looks like somebody... Do you remember Benoit Asuakoto? And I interviewed him once. and I Another was like, left back. Another left back. <laughs> and I interviewed him once and I said to him, it was for some sort of yeah. FIFA launch, and I said, oh, what are you doing after this? Are you going to watch the football? And he was like, no, I don't like football. No, that's right. Danny Rose doesn't like the football. Yeah. Benteke doesn't like the football. When he retires, he'll open a nice little cake shop in Belgium and he'll never <laughs> yeah. watch another game again. That's what it is. He hates it. Yeah. Well, I hope you're wrong, Danny. I hope you're wrong. I hope uh, you're wrong. I hope, he, I hope he does generally, but I just, oh, I just, it, it drives me mad. I look at him, he's got every asset in the book to be a top, top player and, and he yet, just doesn't well, use it. How bad, given that Crystal Palace have got Christian Benteke up front, how bad must Conor Wickham be that they put him out on loan? <laughs> In a similar position. Just a thought. Just a thought for you there. Our worst performance of the week is West Ham United. <laughs> um, let me ask you a question then, both of you. Mm. I'll ask you first. Yeah. Have you ever played in a worse West Ham performance than what we've seen in the last few weeks? I've got to say, and I, I, I know that he's not going to... Tom's not going to agree with me, but I thought... They had a bit better balance. Thomas Suchek coming in added a bit of energy and drive from midfield. So there was there was oh, positives from the back. game. No, look, I'll tell you what. It actually looked like it might go all right until um, David Moyes got involved and ruined it and he took off the only three players that had any good moments in the game and went, let's try and hold on for a draw against Brighton with 15 minutes to go with no out ball. Uh, it's obvious we needed an out ball. And by the way, Sebastian Allaire, talking of like the next Benteke, yeah. He's, he's, he's the next Benteke. He had a couple of decent goals at Frankfurt. He's good on the volley. He hates the game. He's not interested. And when he leaves West Ham and goes to China to replace Odi Nogalo in the summer, <laughs> we'll never hear from him again. I've just thought of the joke finally. It's taken me all the whole of this section. Yeah, Benteke is as mobile as Ben Nevis. So oh. Thank you very much indeed. I think that was worth the wait, wasn't enjoyed it? Enjoyed the liver. <laughs> it, oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Free kick from Wilson. Straight to the chest of Mings. Drops to the edge of the area for Ryan Fraser. And he, the has been tucked in by Nathan Ake. Bournemouth are 2-0 up. Pepe Reina couldn't hold on to the shot from Ryan Fraser. Ake counts from close range. And Bournemouth double their lead right on half-time. Bournemouth 2, Villa 0. felt like we'd had things go against us with the refereeing decisions. So I think it was a feeling of... Um... 
you know, th th this could be a big moment in our season. I don't want to over-egg it. It's only one result, but it just felt like it could be a big moment. And hopefully it does prove that way. Um, which takes us now to our performance of the week. We'll try and end on a positive note. Uh, I haven't led off any of these, so I think I'll do it in this case. And my performance of the week is Dortmund's teenagers. Now, we know that German football has, has, has worked this thing through, haven't they? They've worked out that uh, they can't compete. We're, even Bayern Munich can't compete with the English clubs and the Spanish clubs for the best players. So they've decided to go back to doing what they've always done very well, producing young players. In fact, what they've decided to do is to go to the academies in England and pick their best players off. Um, and, we have, and also to buy players from other countries who they can turn from teenage prodigies into superstars. But Dortmund are doing this as well as anybody. Um, picking the bones of Leipzig as well. We should make that point. Um, and Jane Sancho... And, of course, the boy Haaland, uh, son of Alf Inga, mm. um, of, of previous notoriety on these shows. I mean, just extraordinary. Jaden Sancho at the weekend um, played another fantastic game. To take him this season to 24 goals and assists in 18 league games. Now, this is not playing, with all due respect, to the to the Ithmian League. He's not playing in the Ithmian League. He's playing in <laughs> the Bundesliga, this boy. Um, and there's an argument that as Raheem Sterling is having one of those spells where, you know... He couldn't hit a banjo with a cow's ass. Um, that, uh, <laughs> he, that he, he probably should be in the England team. And then you add to that young Harland, whose name I've completely forgotten. Erling. Erling. Erling is his name, isn't it? He has played 136 minutes of first-team football since Manchester United decided best not to buy him. We've got Odi and Igalo on the line now. Um, he has scored seven times in 136 oh, minutes. Man, Again, not in the South East Counties League, no. in the Bundesliga. However, it is worth saying, I watch a lot of Bundesliga games, and it is not a league renowned for its defending. It is not a league Tell where... Tell me one that is in Europe. Uh, I would say the Premier League has a better reputation for defending. Uh, and the Italian League certainly does. This league... I'll tell you what happens in the Bundesliga every week, is that two teams are in it for 75 minutes, and then suddenly it goes crazy, and everyone just bombs forward. It's very entertaining, but it is not a league that relishes the nil-nil draw. The only league in, in world football, now even the Italians have realised that television won't attack, the only league that still says, we don't care, is Argentina. The Argentinian league yeah, yeah. is still incredible how the two teams are perfectly happy to kick living lumps out of each other. <laughs> never mind the crowd, never mind the entertainment, never mind the television. We, you are not going past me, my son. I don't know what the Italian, sorry, the Spanish one, my son is, but they are not going, you're not going past me, my son. Um... Uh, but yeah, all right, even, they're both amazing though. They're both yeah, phenomenal. San, Sancho players. and Harland, have, have, and I mean, and how, yeah. how how do Man United not do that deal? They they've taken. <sighs> how do you know? Surely he must be best friends with, with his dad. No, 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 he no, didn't take the call, did he? You thought it was a radio show. I it was think, Danny Kelly live on air. Put it down. I think I think it's down to Paul Pogba. I think that they hate the agent so much now. Oh, yeah. and, and is his agent, isn't he? It's the same bloke. Yeah. 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 I just thought, they, as soon as he started to say how much he wanted and they felt their trousers sliding down their thighs, <laughs> Manchester United, they're, they're grown people. Why wouldn't you turn around and say, no, we've had this once already, you, no. And they risked lo losing Harland, and they did. Do you know, I dislike that man so much, I would rather see West Ham get relegated for four consecutive years than him earn another pound out of football. What a disgusting, that is a very greasy, great, a great horrid personal man. sacrifice to make. £12 million he earned out of that Pogba deal. For yeah. what? For sitting in a hot tub with Ed Woodward. Actually, to be fair, he's earned it. I'll well, take given, it the, given, the, given the fee for Haaland was relatively low, my suspicion is he probably made more out of this deal than the selling club did.
Yeah. Be it, which it's I would extraordinary imagine. thought, isn't it? Earned every penny. Steve, who's your performance of the month? Oh, sorry, week. Beg your pardon. Do the uh, month if you want. No. Performance of the week for me is Bournemouth because I watched them against us at the start of the year and they were truly atrocious. They were that bad that we cruised a 4 0 win. Yeah. And I thought things were running up. It was a fa- another false dawn. Who won 4 0? West Ham. Wasn't Millwall, was it? No. <laughs> but. It, it was another false dawn and I just looked at them I thought they're bereft of confidence I looked at Eddie Howe's demeanour I thought maybe this is one season too many it was easy that, to that, think that wasn't that, it that, he, that, 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 shell, that he, he needed a goal they then went on to get beat against Norwich against Watford got beat in the cup against Arsenal which obviously is no no great result either and I thought oof but they've obviously bounced back beat Brighton and obviously beat Aston Villa albeit Villa maybe were after the, the, the cup week it was a good time to get them but They've still bounced back well. You're absolutely right, because uh, four weeks ago, they looked like... I mean, they look like, like a dead cert to be relegated. Well, the yeah. question I always ask when I'm watching any football team that's doing badly is, all right, how are they trying to win this football match? Hmm. Are they going to defend and spring out? Are they going to attack? Are they going to press? Are they going to rely on set pieces? And they well, the answer with the, Bournemouth, so they, were, they weren't doing anything. I think in the past, they've always looked to score goals. Defensively, they're going to always be got at. But listen, they've missed key players. Brooks has been out for a while. Francis has just come back defensively and certainly helped. But... They obviously done this result yesterday with 10 men for 40 minutes. Did you see the Ryan Fraser interview in midweek yeah. where he said, he since I decided I wanted to leave, effectively, I have not worked for the team. I'm sorry I haven't done that, and I'm going to do that from now on. So it's not a great surprise that having come out so plainly and admitted that, what, he came what, and had a great game. Words that are not uh, apparently available to Christian Eriksen. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> well, a big fair to him. Honestly, listen, you ain't just the only player at Bournemouth that's underperformed. You could probably say 14 or 15 in that squad haven't played to the levels they had done last year but that being said to, to grind out you know a win with down to 10 men for 40 minutes you know fair play to them because I thought they were a shoe in to get relegated in, in at the start of the year and now what do you think about it who do you think will go down well <laughs> I think Norwich will because he can see too yes, many goals that's right so that's, that's they, the thing they play well but and, and I, I, thought it, I thought I thought it would have been Bournemouth and then it was one from from six or seven mm-hmm. then but now it's opened up Bournemouth win two on, on the spin you look at West Ham's fixtures I'm sure if you look at the bookies they've got to be I would say in the bottom three in the bookies. but everyone has to play them teams like the fixture is bad because it looks like it's in a run but everyone has pretty much got to play but Liverpool the, the City you, Tottenham Chelsea got, you're, you're right West Ham has got a lot of winnable games towards the end of the season yeah. the last but, six but will winnable. they be so far behind it's psychologically that was West Ham always tend to come good when the sun comes out towards the end of the season <laughs> there's been many a no, season no, they where they should have gone later on well that's year, true yeah. as well yeah <laughs> uh, yeah you, you know it's going to be us, don't you, Carl? Feel free to say it. No, I'm not saying it. Wow. I'm, I'm I don't, not, I don't think so either. I don't know. I think, we'll, ju- I think, I think we'll just have enough to, to I to think you've out. got to be honest and say Norwich probably down yeah. and the rest of it you could put put them on a board and, and stick pins in it yeah. and you'd be as likely to be right as wrong. I'd be happy to say the other two are Claret and Blue. Villa and West Ham. See, I thought Brighton were gone or were going and then they got those the, the psychological boost of, uh, yeah. albeit... Um, pulling back against David Moyes' substitutions, yeah. as you call West Ham. And also a, an obvious handball um, that was allowed to go in. Um, and the referee gave it as handball and they overturned it. Now, you watch some angles, it looks like it hits him on the stomach. You watch another angle, it looks like it hits him on the hand. It's almost like you need one man in Stockley Park on a throne doing it every... Yeah. No, I'm not doing it yeah, yeah, yeah.
Um, which is why I'm slightly suspicious of your performance mm. of the week. Um, you've picked uh, what was, you know, on, on the surface at least, a tremendous game of football between Watford and Everton. But surely you've picked it because it's dragged Watford back into the mire. Um, no, that isn't why I picked it. I tell you, I've got a few reasons for picking Watford Everton as a best performance of the week because. This league, cumulative, has been so bad when it comes to quality this year, and often that leads to a nil-nil, a one-nil, a really drab, horrible game. This gave us an incredible spectacle of entertainment. Not only Theo Walcott, remember him from 2006. He's got still same playing, agent, apparently. Nogalo, I imagine. Same yeah. agent. Someone picked yeah. it up and he got a deal. Um, he scores the winning goal out of nowhere. I mean, I can't recall the last time someone screamed Walcott that wasn't married to him. Um, there's a great element to this where the Watford fans were chanting to the Everton fans, Marco Silva, we told you he's crap. And the Everton fans were singing, Marco Silva, you told us he was crap, brilliant. which was Absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Absolutely love that. And there was a great caller to your verdict on Saturday. And it was an Everton fan who said, when, at 2-0 down, the fans in the stand were just laughing at how bad Everton were. And he said, we were terrible against West Ham. We were terrible in another game. Terrible in another game. We're terrible here. And he said, we won that. And you know what? I literally can't believe it. And did, did you see the goal, how, how Theo Walcott got it? Moz Keane's... Don't watch the A's pass. Beautiful. Went full for me, no. <laughs> he's not sure he did it on purpose, but he did he's it. He's went to shoot and he, I don't know what he's done, but what a pass. <laughs> if, he, if he meant that, unbelievable. The boy's worth every penny. And speaking of, of, of the mysteries of Everton, uh, anybody buying Richarlison at 85 million? Oh. <laughs> he hasn't got Igalo's agent. That's he's the not, trouble. He's not a bad player. I'm not saying that for one minute. He's not a bad player. What, what, are, what are Barcelona seeing in, in, in that player? I, I, listen, I don't get it. 85 million to Barcelona, like you said, decent player, but still not really proved at Everton. But I'll tell you what, that was a classic silly season story because Barcelona, they ain't got no money. They're totally skinned. They spent all their money up front. They've got to sell players. Never mind buy someone for 85 million. They need to raise 100 million. So that was an utter nonsense story because if that was a real offer, I tell you now, Richarlison would have gone hey, immediately. No, Mashiri has enough money to resist it, but would the player have allowed it to be resisted? Of course. Yeah, yeah. There maybe is a subplot. There's Marco Silva, the next Barcelona manager, because he loves Richarlison. So. Oh. Okay. I mean, Sunday. I know, I know he's handsome. I know he looks good on TV. <laughs> that he cannot become Barcelona manager on the back of that, surely. Barcelona fans in Spanish. I can't do it in Spanish. I told you he's crap. <laughs> if we're speaking of which, of course, I admit, as we're doing this, uh, this is a recording. You're not listening to a live podcast. That'd be odd. Um, uh, the game between Bordeaux and Olympic Marseille is on, and I can see Andrea Villas Boas at the side of the pitch. Um, and whenever you mention Marco Silva, good that's where man. mine goes back to somebody who spoke a good game, albeit with a gravelly voice like in the Spaghetti Western, but was absolutely no good at all. The worst person I've ever interviewed post-match, Andre Villas-Boas. I was doing Chelsea in the Champions League every week that year, and it was just, you couldn't get anything. You could get nothing from him. It was just every game, he'd lost his voice, he was like a Portuguese Sean Dyche, and it was just like, no, yes. (laughs) Now, it's like one of those, as I say, one of those mid '60s spaghetti westerns where they got American actors to voice over the tough-looking Italian actors, and they always went for that voice, didn't they? The Andre Villas Boas voice. I can't it's amazing it now, where you can get myself. to Curry and Mourinho's suitcases, isn't it? Well, I mean, everyone thought that the world could repeat itself. Um, Mourinho was an interpreter. 
who happened to yeah. be a genius football manager. Yeah. And I thought, oh, good. He's now got a geezer who does a bit for him. We'll get him as well. He did win the title in Portugal, but you're going to tell me Portugal is like the Isthmian League now. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. It's, it, well, it's Wolverhampton Wanderers <laughs> in the Isthmian League, isn't it? With everyone hugging Bruno Fernandes and their interpreters. I, I've got a lovely list of here of performance of the week. Uh, Steve, the revivification, if I might say that word properly, nice. of Bournemouth. Um, Watford against Everton as a game of football. Um, or the teenage just, uh, superstars of Borussia Dortmund in Sancho and Haaland. Steve? Well, I'm going to stick with my... Oh. I'm going to stick with my, my, my votes. I think... You know, it's really difficult when you're lacking in confidence as a group of, of players and to bounce back um, as give them a fighting chance. I've I got to say I go with Steve as well because I thought wow. Bournemouth were going to go down when they got thrashed by West Ham 4-0. <laughs> and also, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, uh, 2-1 up, 10 men, he thought, my bench is rubbish, I'm changing nothing, I've picked the right team, oh, and it's almost like a professional footballer can play 90 minutes. Amazing. <laughs> you're listening, David. A professional footballer can play 90 minutes, especially if they've got... No, I'm not it. I know, I know, I'm right, but I've already been outvoted. That's the way the show works. Thank you both very, very much indeed. Uh, that's Tom Rennie and Steve Lomas. Thank you all of you who've listened, downloaded all the usual things you have to do. Tell other people if you like. I notice our figures have doubled in recent weeks, um, particularly for that show that I missed. Um, so thank you all for listening. We're back next week here on the Game Day Podcast. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.